curveball that you weren't sure what to do with? You know, the kind where you think someone should really do something about this. Have you ever thought maybe that someone is me and then found yourself on a grand adventure you never saw coming? Me too. As a special needs mom, I have been saddened by what's available to my son. But instead of wallowing in it, I decided to do something about it. Along the way, I'm meeting extraordinary people and having the most wonderful experiences I never thought I'd have. I'm so inspired by what's happening around me that I want to share it all with you. Living Your Legacy is a community where ordinary people who've been called to create something bigger than themselves can come together to be inspired, connect, learn, and live into the legacies they want to see in the world. I'm your host, Michelle Slaney Travato, and this is the Living Your Legacy podcast. Hello, everybody. Michelle Slaney Travato here. Welcome to another episode of the Living Your Legacy podcast. One of my favorite things is when I get introduced to people who absolutely inspire me. People who have had mountains put in front of them, but instead of making the decision, like looking at it and saying, nope, that's not for me and turning around and walking away, they decide that they're really just going to take this on. And not only that, they're going to bring as many people along with them as they possibly can. And today's guest is one of those people. He is a special needs father who's taken this big mountain and decided that he wants to create a legacy, not just for his own child, but as many other children as he can as well. So I'd like to take a moment to say hello to my friend, Amit Chawla. Hi, Amit. So excited to have you here. I'm excited too, Michelle. So let me tell you everybody a little bit about Amit. He and I had a previous call and absolutely I was so inspired by what he was talking about that I wanted to have him on here. Now, before I start, I want to say that this podcast and TV show is not just about people who have actually completed their legacy. It's more about those of us who are in it. We're in it to win it. We're doing it. We're figuring it out day by day by day. And Amit is one of those people. So, of course, I wanted to share his story. So, Amit Chawla is a husband to an estate planning attorney. I love that. You put her first. That's really sweet. He is, she is further studying to specialize in special needs law. Now, that's a whole story in and of itself. And Amit is a dad to two boys, seven and 13. So, you own my heart. I am a boy mom and a dog. I have a dog too. We are all on the same page. We live in Lexington, Massachusetts. For his full-time job, he works as a software product manager for a wealth investment management software company. But there's a twist in the story. His oldest son is 13 years old and has autism. He is in a residential school because his needs are so great, and we're going to get into that a little bit. Amit would like to give back to the special needs community by doing something meaningful. And I love that that's where you took this journey. His goal is to help families with special needs members with planning for a better future. And really, who doesn't want that? Ever since his son left for residential school five years ago, his wife and Ahmed have been busy preparing themselves to help him in all things related to special needs planning because his son is going to require support for the rest of his life. Also a story near and dear to me. 
His wife has been focused on the legal aspects of things, and Amit has been focusing on the financial aspects. They moderate a private Facebook group called Planning for Special Needs, and if that interests you, I encourage you to go check it out. And he is the founder and owner of a financial planning company called My Special Financial Planning. I love that. We're going to talk a little more about that. Ahmed also volunteers for a couple of nonprofit organizations to provide pro bono financial planning services. There is so many things in here that I want to pull apart and just really dive into. Let's start by addressing the issue of your son. Clearly, uh, a surprise in your life that your son was born. Tell us a little bit about the journey to get his diagnosis and what life was like for you before he moved to residential school. Sure. So my son is 13 now, uh, born in 2009. Uh, starting first one year wasn't wasn't any uh, any special in the sense that things were going okay. My wife, though, got worried a bit towards the end of the first year. Uh, my son's speech was delayed, but uh, everyone told us that kids learn speaking at different ages. Uh, the second year also was okay. Towards the end of the second year, uh, we were worried. We did get him evaluated. We were in San Diego, California at that time. We got him evaluated. Uh, his understanding was good. He was able to follow instructions, but his speech was delayed. So we were again uh, told that you are just worried. Just wait. Things are going to work out. Uh, about two years and nine months is when we moved to Massachusetts because of my job. And that's when things were a little bit more worrisome. Uh, my wife was interacting with other parents, other kids around, and she was noticing things that other kids were able to do and our son wasn't. We consulted a couple of doctors, got him evaluated again, and at this time, we got the news that, yes, your son has what we call PDD, Pervasive Developmental Disorder, not specified. Uh, so they were still thinking that it's, it's not autism. It is kind of autism, but it's, it's uh, still early stages. Uh, we got him started on number of services. We got what we call early intervention here in Massachusetts. Uh, but things, things were not progressing as we expected. At some point, our son started speaking. He was actually speaking in sentences. He had a little bit of other behaviors, but he started speaking. We thought that maybe things are turning around. But then there came a time, I would say about three and a half, four years of age, when he regressed in speech. Uh, slowly, he lost all his speech. Slowly, his behaviors developed. Uh, his learning went away or slow, I would say completely stalled. Uh, from 
three and a half, four years to eight years of his age, we tried number of different things, all kind of therapies, all kind of schools, all kind of specialists, medicines, different kind of things. But things, things were not going the way we wanted uh, him to progress. There were instances subsequently where he got aggressive. He got aggressive towards himself. He got aggressive towards others. Uh, his behaviors were totally out of control. There were several episodes in a day where he would just cry and we had no way to tell what's going on with him. Again, we consulted a bunch of pain specialists and we tried to find ways. We even tried to discuss that. How do you find if, if a pet is in a pain, right? If, if a dog is in pain, is there a way to find out what is hurting, why a particular child or a person or a kid or a dog is crying? How can we help him? And what we were told was that most likely this is behavioral. They were not able to find the root cause. So there were several days where we were so helpless, not able to help our kids, where he's just slithering with pain. We think it was pain, slithering with crying nonstop, several hours, not able to get much help, not able to make progress on his speech, not able to do anything, uh, anything that we can call uh, progress in life. We tried to send him to public school. Public school was having a hard time dealing with him. My wife was not able to do anything. She used to work in San Diego, but once my son got diagnosed, she had no option but to help him. Uh, my son used to go to public school. Then she used to take him to other kind of services, speech therapy, occupational therapy, uh, swim therapy. Uh, at some point, we even considered equestrian, uh, but decided against it. Uh, going, going back, we were trying to seek help from public school. We were trying to get help from outside providers. There is ABA therapy that is supposedly uh, supposed to help, but didn't work as much for our kid while he was in school. Uh, we tried to seek help from outside service providers uh, for ABA. One thing we found out was it's, it's extremely hard to find a right person who can work with a kid like ours. There are several service provider agencies out there. There are ser several service providers out there, but it's very hard to get consistent services. There is a severe shortage of people who can help with these kind of severe kids. We try to juggle with insurance. Many a times we found agencies that were out of network, which were not within our area, but they didn't want to deal with insurance. 
because insurance itself has challenges. We try to fight with insurance. We try to fight with insurance agencies. We try to fight with public school system. Uh, there were instances where we tried to send him to in-center care, but it was heartbreaking for us to find out that they were not able to deal with him. They, they just used to isolate him in a corner or in a room. And we realized that we were losing that battle. We were not able to provide the services that our son needed. That's when we decided that we need to find an outplacement for our son, uh, a private school, which is much more specialized to deal with kind of kids uh, like ours. Uh, it was not an easy battle. Again, we had to hire an educational consultant. We had to hire an attorney to support us. Uh, school finally agreed. Uh, they were able to agree with us that yes, they are not able to assess. They are not able to support our son according to his needs. And in the States here, uh, all kids have a right to free and fair and appropriate education, which is phenomenal uh, in one regard where if school system is not able to support the kid, you can seek outside help. And if you are able to prove that yes, outside help is going to help the kid, uh, school has to agree. You have to force their hand to agree. So we got an outplacement. Our son started going to this uh, private special needs school. Uh, but within two months, we realized that we need more. There is no way for us to care for him in the afternoons after 4 p.m., after 5 p.m. Again, we were struggling with the same thing. We were not able to provide him services at home. That's when we decided that it's time for us to consider a residential school for him. And as a parent, I would think that all of us would agree that sending your eight-year-old to a residential school is an extremely tough decision, one of the hardest decisions in my lifetime. Yeah, there's so many things there. Love will make you move mountains or at least yeah. try. And it certainly seems in your story that you tried every mountain. You climbed every mountain. You looked at every potential option. You really tried hard, but you're right. Having a child whose needs are so great, so consistent and so demanding is exhausting. It is absolutely exhausting. It takes everything out of you physically, emotionally, intellectually, financially, spiritually, like it just takes it all out of you. And particularly when, as you said a few times, it didn't help. It didn't yeah. change anything. It didn't make life better for your son. It didn't help you figure out what was going on anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, you spent your time fighting with insurance companies and school systems and service providers. And uh, along the way, you had a second son. And so now you have this other child at home who has needs as well. And it just yeah. becomes yep. all-encompassing. It literally takes over your life. As you said, your wife gave up her job to stay home. 
And I'm sure that put a financial stress on your family as well. It was an unexpected choice, you know, not something you had years and years to plan for. And it was a, mm -hmm. a pleasant decision. This was out of necessity. What do we do here? And kudos to you for doing that. There are people listening today who, who your story resonates with very, very strongly. And for those who don't know, if you know parents who have children with special needs, this story is not as uncommon as you'd think. Um, we all have those struggles with service providers, with finding qualified people who actually want to work with our children, with having insurance companies. Um, up here for us, every five years, we have to go get brand new documentation for our insurance company to prove that my son's permanent disabilities are in fact still permanent. So every five years, we've got to go back and go back to our providers and get, and it all costs money to get letters and tests done and things like that to send off to the service provider, to the insurance company, because otherwise they stop paying for things because we can't prove that his permanent disabilities are in fact permanent. And again, these are the stories that don't get told. So kudos to you for turning over literally every stone you could find to figure out the best path for your son. Thank you for being a part of the Living Your Legacy podcast community in 2022. We can honestly say 2023 is going to be an exciting year. We've got some new things going on that we'd like to share with you. The Living Your Legacy podcast is now offering advertising spots. We found many entrepreneurs spent lots of money on advertising last year, only to find that they weren't falling in front of their ideal audience. We'd love to help you get your message out. Let's discuss this. Click the link in the show notes to book a time to chat and see if this could be a good fit for you. Tell us a little bit about your younger son. I'd like to hear that story as well. Yeah, so younger one. Having gone through such, such a tough life, especially for my wife, she was totally against it. She went through a real bad phase of anxiety and depression. And some of you may know that if your first kid has autism, chances of second kid having autism increases significantly. So my wife was dead against having the second one. And I had to again, move mountains to convince her that we should go for the second one for three main reasons. One is that later on, when our older one grows up, we may have a sibling to take care of him once we are gone. Secondly, I wanted us, especially my wife, to have something to look forward to, to have some kind of normalcy in our life. Seeing her in such a bad state wasn't easy. Uh, our son had a, had a situation my wife was suffering throughout. And had to had to convince her uh, that we have to go for it. And third, 
was that in case, in case the second one also has special needs, we are much better prepared to help the second one too. We have gone through so much. We know the system. We know how to move around the system and make things work. So with those three reasons, I was able to convince. We went ahead. Our second son is neurotypical. He is a happy seven-year-old boy, first grader, a very kind, gentle soul. We are trying to grow him as a kind person. Recently, about probably about six months ago, he was recognized for being kind uh, at school, got a certificate, and we were ecstatic with that recognition because that's the best kind of recognition in our eyes a kid like him can have because he knows that there are kids out there who are not able to look after themselves. And we want him to, to be the person who's always available to help. I love that. And I love the way you described your younger son. Um, I think that that is also a common trait of siblings who have uh, children who have a sibling that has disabilities, that they, they are far kinder. They see, um, they see the challenges their sibling faces. They see the challenges their families face. They see their parents, you know, talking about it and trying to figure things out and making decisions. And they know how hard it is from a very personal level. So they grow such amazing empathy. They have such an ability to look at other children and instead of seeing like, oh, you're weird and you're different and you do this and that and I don't understand, therefore I don't like you, they see the child instead of the disabilities yeah. because they live with it. My younger son is very similar. He uh, came home one day from school and said to me, mom, I'm not really sure I understand it, but I think I do. Why does the teacher always pair me with the kid with disabilities when we do any group things? And I said, because you're kind, honey. Yes. And he said, I thought that might be it. There, they, And he is. He's gentle and he's kind and he is sweet and thoughtful. He is also um, growing into being... Um, very interested in social justice. He cannot stand seeing injustices done to other people, particularly in people who cannot defend themselves for whatever reason, whether that's someone who's new to the country and doesn't speak the language and is being picked on and they sort of know they are by body language and tone of voice, but they don't really know what's being said. He just gets absolutely irate. I remember his elementary school principal calling me one day and I thought, oh no, this is going to be bad. When the principal calls, you know, like, usually not good news. And I thought, oh, like this one is not getting good news. Like what's going on? She said, no, I need to tell you what happened. She said there was this, this child. And in his view, this child was being yelled at by the lunch hour supervisor and wrongly yelled at. And he tried to speak to the lunch hour supervisor who wouldn't listen. And so he marched himself down to the principal's office because he wanted to make sure that little kid was okay. And he wow. absolutely, like, she said, all I could do was try hard not to laugh. 
mm-hmm. because he was so intense and he was so mad about this other child. She said it really wasn't that big a situation, but he had a perceived injustice there. And so he wanted to do something about it. And I think that that's one of the things that our children, it's a blessing that our children grow yes. with. They yes. become empathetic and uh, adults. They become yeah. kind and caring co-workers. They become better friends and partners because they get it. They get how hard this can be. But they also get that a little kindness goes a really long way to making things better, easier, smoother. And really, who doesn't want more of that? Like, who doesn't want someone in their life who's kind and compassionate and sweet and thoughtful and is able to intuitively understand that there are difficulties in people's lives that make them do things that you may not know about, like your older son. You didn't know why he was crying, but you knew he cried for hours and hours. So that happens. You know, people come to work angry because they had a fight with their spouse at home, or maybe there's a sick parent, or maybe they've got a child with disabilities or an illness. There are things that impact us and we we carry it with us in our lives. And our children understand that at a very intuitive level. No one needs to teach them. And our children have the ability to educate children around them about their sibling, about that it's okay if people have differences. What difference does that make? Really, right? Like they're people and they're a nice person. So why would we be mean to them? Or, you know, they will say things. They'll stand up for kids and say things like, that's not okay. I'm not okay with how you're speaking to this person because that's that's not all right. We just don't do that. And that's powerful. And those skills are extraordinary skills to have in life. It's those soft skills really that get us ahead, right? You can be as smart as you want in studying for a test, but if you can't communicate with humanity, you're going to have a problem. Actually, lots of them in life, right? Uh Our children have the blessing of that. Now, that is a spin on the situation for sure. And that is not to downplay how difficult it is. Life is hard. It's hard in my house. When my son has a meltdown, it affects the whole house, the whole structure, the whole day, the whole whatever's happening has to stop so that we can focus in on what's going on for our older son. And it impacts everybody, my younger son included. So it's not to downplay it, but rather to look at it through a different lens, right? Because we can choose to be wallow in the misery, Right. We can choose to be sad and angry and bitter. And, and at times we are all of those things for Completely sure. I agree that there have been moments in our lives where we think that we got the worst hand possible. Right. Mm-hmm. There is no way to progress. There is no way to make things better. Mm-hmm. But it's it's our choice how we move forward. It's our choice what what to do. Mm-hmm. what good things are around us, how we can make an impact. So it's it's Absolutely. in our hands. And we as a person, we as parents of special need kids, find ways to look at things differently. We are able to find gratitude in things which other parents just take granted for. 
For mm-hmm. example, I mean, our little one uh, learning normally, him being able to express himself is 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 a miracle for us, right? I mean, people who haven't experienced the hardship cannot find gratitude in that. Mm-hmm. And we we find things like those really, really helpful. Mm-hmm. Now, gratitude is one. Our perspective changes in mm-hmm. life. Uh, we are able to, as you mentioned, empathize with other people yep. more. Mm-hmm. We are able to, yes, see things a little bit differently in the sense that, yes, they can be dark, but those things can be turned around. Those things can be looked a little bit differently, and you can try to make lemonade out of lemons if if you choose to. And that's what our goal here is how how we can make things better not only for ourselves that was the start of a journey for us that was a selfish reason for us to start we wanted to make sure that we are able to provide the best possible care for our son he is at the best possible place for his needs we are able to prepare financially and legally in best possible way we got started with that. We've come a long way, and I'm happy to talk talk about that. Absolutely, you totally yeah. saw where I was going with this. <laughs> um, you're right. It is about choice. Any situation that happens, we all people have the ability to choose to choose our response, to choose how we perceive the situation, to choose to be reactive or to be proactive. We have choice now. Lots of times, people things move so fast in their minds or in reality that they don't process that they have that choice, but we have choice. And you talked about that. You choose how you see the situation. You choose how directly what you're teaching your child and how you speak to your younger son. Um, You choose how you're seeing what's going on and now what you want to do moving forward. And that's exactly where I want to go with this conversation. Tell us now, you put your son in residential school. you got this younger son who is growing up to be lovely. And side note, do you remember the day he told you he loved you for the first time? To be honest, no, but my wife would know. She is extremely good with dates. She's extremely good at remembering things that are of significance. Yep. I remember, I remember so much when my, the first time my youngest son said it because it took such a long time. My oldest son, as of this recording is almost 19 and he only started saying it last year in his own way. Um, and it took us a while to figure out what it was he was saying. And you know why he said it? Because he heard my younger son say it. My son says it all the time. He probably says, love you, mom, five, six, seven times a day. And all of a sudden, one day, my older son was like, huh, that gets a response. So maybe I should try it. And it took me a while. He said it a few times. I'm like, what are you trying to say? And then it dawned on me. I'm like, are you saying love you? And he's like, yeah. Whoa. He learned that from his younger sibling, not the other way around. I remember those moments and I'm eternally grateful, like you said. So let's talk about how 
how you decided to take this these lemons that have been dropped in your lap and you're looking to make lemonade. When did the shift happen where you really started thinking about what's next? When did that happen for you guys? It was a slow transition. Uh, sending our son to a residential school was, was very painful. Uh, we had such, such a big hole in our heart. We, we couldn't find a way to, to plug that. Uh, initial few weeks were extremely tough. I started working out. I never ran uh, in my life before. I started working out. I just wanted some things to keep me occupied, something to focus on. And uh, October of 2017 is when our son went to the residential school. Next month, I started running, decided to run a marathon in 2018. September ran a marathon. That was one way for me to focus and achieve certain things. Uh, I was already a CFA charter holder, certified financial analyst uh, designation. I already have an MBA. I'm in a fintech space. Uh, and while our older one was growing up, I had a goal of going into investment management, but because of his diagnosis, it changed our trajectory. My wife had to leave her job. I became a lot more risk averse. I had to make sure that I am able to consistently and uh, more confidently provide for our family's needs. So investment management, was just let go. Uh, I thought, yes, fintech is where I should focus on where I've been. So that was the trajectory. But then a year, a year later, uh, after our son went to residential, again, we had time. Uh, we want to make sure that we make use of each and every moment that we got back by not keeping him home, that we try to utilize that and make the best use of that moment. So I decided to focus on the financial side of it. My wife was already an attorney. She's an attorney uh, from India. Uh, she was working as a paralegal uh, in California. She wanted to go back and get her license in Massachusetts. So she started her journey taking extra courses that were needed taking the prereqs that took her a couple of years, then took her another one year to prepare for the bar exam in Massachusetts. While she was doing that, I was focusing on getting certified financial planner designation and then subsequently charted special needs consultant designation. So again, our goal was to prepare ourselves in best possible way. And we wanted to go to the extremes how we can get our kid the best possible legal care, financial care, and everything else. Yes, there are resources out there, but it's not easy to trust 
those resources. It's not easy to rely on those resources. And they're not always easy to find. Find you got to know what you're looking for. And half the time, I don't know what I'm looking for. I just need help. Correct, correct. So in our case, we know exactly how to care for our kid, right? So she she became an attorney in 2021, end of 2021, uh, and has been practicing estate planning. Uh, then, as I mentioned, as you mentioned in our introduction, she's further specializing in special needs law and uh, estate planning uh, and elder law. Uh, I started working with a couple of people. I started uh, doing pro bono uh, with a couple of nonprofit organizations. I registered my company, my special financial planning, around mid of last year. Now, we are at a stage where we think together we can help families like ours in three broad areas, the legal planning, the financial planning, and the third bucket, we bucket everything else, that everything else is personal health, emotional health, and help these families build a committee and village around them. Because it needs a village to help kids like these. We ourselves, even though I am a financial planner, my wife is a lawyer, we know that even between two of us, we won't be able to support in all his needs, right? So that's why we need a village around us. And that's our goal. How we can help other families live the legacy that we mentioned. We want to make this world a better place for all special ones. And we want to have an impact. Once we are 70 years old, 80 years old, we want to have a sense of fulfillment that we were able to help people around us. We were able to help people live a better life a empowering life, a fulfilling life. Let's see. That's that's the start. That's the start. And I know there will be challenges, but I know there are a lot of people around us who are on the same journey, who are going to help us support our journey. Now you see why I said he was inspiring. This is amazing. So Again, to recap, you have this experience with your own child, and it is the word hard, challenging, difficult, that doesn't even come close to describing how that impacted you. And instead of becoming bitter and angry, instead of blaming the system for not making everything easy, instead of, you know, wallowing in your own remorse and sadness you decide uh, we want to, we have to look after our son for sure for the rest of his life, not just ours, but his, we want him to live a life that is um, fulfilling, whatever that's going to look like for him. And we want it to be for his entire life. And so we know we need to do something, but instead of just focusing on your own son, you've decided that, you know what, there's got to be other people out there 
who need this help too, who maybe aren't as far along in, in life or in their journey as we are. Let's see if we can take as many as we possibly can with us and they can help forge their own legacies and we can help them. We can advise, we can connect with them on the financial and the legal aspects, both of which are huge in the world of special needs, right? Most special needs families have one parent at home if both parents are involved because you're right. It's so hard to, to find the right support and then harder sometimes still to pay for it. Um, then you've also got the legal end of it. There are so many legal decisions. When your child is is little, there aren't as many legal decisions. But once they cross the line into legal adulthood, which is where I'm at, my son's toes are right on that line. And now we've got big legal decisions to make that are going to impact the rest of his life for sure and ours. So yeah. people need advice and support and help in all those areas. And I love that that's the legacy you've decided to build, that we're not going to be angry and better. We're going to live in hope and optimism and gratitude. We are going to reach out our hands to whoever will take them and say, come with us. We will help you. And you're going to provide a community around those parents, which is so important. We need communities around our children for sure. But I think as special needs parents, we need a community too of parents who get it who understand what it's like. When I say my son has a hard day, you have a very clear understanding of what that could look like. When you talked about your son having meltdowns and crying for hours, I too have experienced that. I know how absolutely gut-wrenching and heartbreaking that is when you can't figure out what's going on because you want to help them so they can stop crying and feel joy and happiness. I get you on all those things. And there's all these other people who need someone to get them to. And I am so excited to be at sort of the beginning of your legacy journey with you, because of course, I want to have you come back another time so we can talk about where you're at, how it's progressing. What were the things that surprised you? You talked about challenges. Yep. There's definitely going to be challenges as you're going through this. What were they? How did you handle that? Where's your son now? How's your younger son doing? I think there's so many things there that I and our audience would really like to follow up on because hope is just as contagious as fear and anger. Hope is the only thing throughout the the history of humanity that has kept humanity going through the worst experiences of humanity. Any survivor of any awful experience will tell you one of the key pieces they held on to for dear life was hope. Hope that things could be better. And so many times it motivates people to make things better. You embody that and your wife embodies that. And I absolutely am so excited to have you here. Now, as much as I adore you, I'm pretty sure that our audience is going to too. And there might be people who want to reach out and connect with you. What's the best way for them to reach you? So you can always email me. My email is amit at the rate myspecial.org. Always available. My website is myspecialfinancialplanning.com. We have a private Facebook group, Planning for Special Needs. And we also have a YouTube channel that we recently started. The handle is at the rate Planning for Special Needs. Fantastic. So folks... If this story resonated with you, if this is your life or the life of someone you know, 
please get in touch. Pass on the show, pass on the episode, and then get in touch with Amit. Be a part of his community so that you can get the support you need moving forward. And if you want to just connect with him to to say, hey, you're an awesome guy. I think that's amazing. You should totally do that too, because he is an awesome guy and he's kind of amazing. So Amit, I can't thank you enough for being on the podcast today. Again, as a legacy maker, lots of times it's something in our lives that that hurts. It's something that makes us really stop in our tracks and changes, as you said, the trajectory of our entire lives to make us suddenly think about, oh, there's more that I am to do. And the gift of your oldest son is that it unlocked that in you and your wife. And that because of you both, so many other people will have their dreams and their legacies unlocked as well. Thank you so much for being part of the podcast today. I can't wait to have you back and hear how everything is going. You're way welcome, Michelle. Does the thought of follow-up give you a foul taste? Do you find yourself wondering how you can ever stand out from the crowd, but need it to be easy and convenient? With a system like Send Out Cards, you can stay in touch and top of mind with only a few keystrokes. People's inboxes might be full, but their mailboxes are empty. Reach people literally where they live, work, or play, and watch the warm fuzzies go to work for you. See the show notes for a link where you can send your first card on me. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please submit a rating and review and share it with a friend. Together, we can inspire more people to start living their legacy too. And let's keep the conversation going. We would love to hear all about your journey in living your legacy and support you along the way. Join our Facebook community, Living Your Legacy Podcast, where we connect, collaborate, and celebrate each other. Can't wait to see you there.